You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. Also with us tonight is Ken and Scott from the Generation Red Podcast. Ken, Scott, what's up? Not much, boys. It's good to be on with you. Hey, fellas. It is a good night. It's going to be a great sun is night. shining. I think we're getting into spring now. Finally. Starting to feel like it, maybe, hopefully. I believe oh, this yeah. is what Nebraska's called false spring. Uh, you could be right. We've already had two of those, so I think we are due for one more. Like, this might be the last false spring, and then we're out of third winter. <laughs> hey. The benefits of living in Texas, I guess. Hey, Ken, I got to say, you've been posting a lot of pictures of your new studio online, and I got to say, it is absolutely impressive. Thank you. I appreciate that. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of love put into it. Um, Hey, you know, if you're going to do this right, hey, our content might still need some work, but damn it, we're going to look and sound good. That's that's always been my philosophy, and (laughs) this was an absolute blast. Doing this was fun, and I can't wait to have you guys in here with us. Uh, the night before the uh, podcast awards to do a special show with you guys live right here. So. Yeah, I can't wait. That's uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. So there's going to be a lot of great Indeed. podcasts that are there uh, yep. on August 19th. I, I'll know that date because that's my wife's birthday. <laughs> Perfect. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's my birthday present to her is me leaving town. So, oh, you are such a gentleman! <laughs> what a husband, husband of the year candidate, hey, right there. No one broke. It might be the best best present he's ever got her. <laughs> hey, I've gotten her a DVD before. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> what is that called? Justin does Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you recognize me? I see. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh all right ken that actually really threw me off where do you go from there <laughs> uh you know uh okay well we got a fun episode this uh this evening uh it's already starting out with a bang here oh geez so to speak <laughs> yeah <laughs> so spring practice starts tomorrow for uh, the huskers uh, we've been waiting for this uh for a, a while now you know the new coaching staff so we're going to be talking about the biggest storylines headed into the spring and then we're going to f- finish it off with a uh a discussion about a big recruiting weekend here at March 25th. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we got a lot going on. There's a, a lot of fascinating stuff. So let's get into it. Uh, five storylines that we've come up with. Uh, number one, uh, who, who will emerge as the top wide receiver after spring, Ken? Your guess is as good as mine. I kind of, I narrowed it down to uh, basically three guys. Um, or two guys, mostly. I, I looked at the experience level of a guy like Billy Kemp, who's comes out of Virginia and a transfer. He's, uh, what, the all-time leading receiver in yardage for in Virginia history. So the guy's got a lot of experience. Obviously, he knows how to get open. So I think he'll probably be pretty good here. I just don't know if he's going to be the number one guy because he's more that he's that slot guy, you know, that five foot ten 
five foot eight, somewhere in there, fairly quick. Uh, but there's 20 dudes on the roster, so somebody's got to end up being number one. My money's on Marcus Washington for the beginning of the year, with Billy Kemp being that guy that's really reliable to get open in key situations like second and long, third and five or six when you need a possession receiver. But I think Washington's that deep threat, perhaps, the guy that can maybe take the top off a little bit and uh, and uh, get us some big yardage downfield and help open up that run game. Uh, but then by the time the season's over, if we're kind of projecting a little beyond spring, I could see somebody like a Xavier Betts getting himself back in the mix and even maybe a Malachi Coleman making some big plays at the end of the season. But I think Washington probably leads the way out of the gate. Scott, who, oh. who is your pick? Hey, just in honor oh. right here. It's not a beer. I'm sorry. I don't, hope you don't kick me off the podcast, but there you go. Is that a ginger ale can? Mm-hmm. Was it really? Yes, sir. I know the sound of cans when they pop tops. I can tell what it is. And I knew that was not. That sounded like a ginger ale. Yeah. The green top didn't give it away at all, but, you know. Uh, all right. <laughs> so uh, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of right there with my dad, surprising, not surprisingly, not surprisingly. We kind of tend to have some some continuity between our opinions most of the time, but I think it's probably narrowed down to like three guys. Uh, I'm going to agree with my dad. I think Marcus Washington right out of the gate. I think we're going to see him a lot in the spring game. Um, but then I start looking at the roster of potential um, guys that they're going to want to get on, on the field and see how they play in a somewhat simulated game environment and I'm thinking we might see a little bit of Malachi Coleman. He might he might pop off and get some get some sparks underneath his ass, and that would be freaking awesome. Um, he's probably the the guy who I'd say most likely guy who is new to the program that I think is going to pop off. But then, yeah, and then you can't you can't discredit Billy Kemp. Um, Billy Kemp is is an absolute stud of an athlete. Um, he had like was it like 1700 ish yards total for his entire time at Virginia. He didn't spend much time playing last year. I think he only played in four games, something like that. Um, but he's, he's really high on the transfer portal. I think he's got like a, a an 89, 80, like an 89 in the transfer ratings, uh, according to two, four, seven sports. Um, so I, I'd be really excited to see what he can do, especially like, yeah, like my dad was saying, in the slot, um, kind of get his wheels going and do some just little little pop plays. Um, but then I I just I also if I were to if I were to look at uh somebody who might not be Malachi Coleman that goes out and maybe does some cool things, um, I'm looking at Janoran Bonner. Um, dude is an absolute athlete. So if we can find a way, I mean, he's a red shirt freshman. If we can get him out there on the field and he can really let those, let those horses out of the barn. Like I, I think he could be a potential, but if, if I were betting my money on the guy that we see being the, the number one receiver, I would just say Marcus Washington, I, based on what we saw last year, um, potential, and yeah, so I'm I'm going with uh, Marcus Washington as my guy, who I think is gonna who's gonna come out on top as a wide receiver first snap of the game. All right, we got two for Marcus. Derek, do you agree? Uh, yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, I I think it's a toss up between uh, Marcus Washington and Billy Kemp. Uh, those are the two that that 
say the most to me. Uh, I'd like to, I'd love to see a Xavier Betts maybe get back into form and see him get some get some good plays in him. I don't know if he's ready to be a number one guy yet, though. Uh, the rest of it, uh, as Scott mentioned, it's a lot of potential. I, I think the potential's great, uh, but the two proven guys to me are Marcus Washington and Billy Kemp, and so you got to go with those two guys as probably your front runners. So if take I take a stand, all right, take, I'll ta- a stand. I'll take a stand. I'll go with Marcus Washington. All right. Tyler. Well, you know, I so I think that you, you mentioned Malachi Coleman. I think he is definitely an intriguing player as the season unfolds. It is noteworthy for a guy as highly recruited as him. He won't be in spring. He is still in school. So he, he is going to be getting a little bit of a late start. We'll see how that impacts long term. Um, I, I do tend to agree with the Marcus Washington. That would be my pick. I do think it would be interesting, though, is does that change if Casey Thompson was there? Obviously, those two played together last year, developed some chemistry. They go back to Texas a little bit. Um, that 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 chemistry might be really important down the stretch if Casey is the guy. But in spring, obviously, Casey, in spite of him uh, playing a pickup basketball game and dropping 30 the other night, um, it doesn't sound like he's going to be in full, full workout in spring. And he sure looked healthy enough to throw, but um, at least draining those threes, his range is good. But, yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I do think that will play into it. Um, th- this is an interesting year because while I do like Billy Kemp, I, I do think I feel a little bit like when J.D. Spielman left Nebraska is kind of like the Billy Kemp we're going to get where he was pretty good at his old school, but I just, I'm just i not 100% confident if he's going to translate quite at the level that he was at Virginia here. Um, while I think he can be a contributor and he's going to be a guy that plays, I – I do think wide receiver, the reason why this is interesting, because we don't have a like thoroughbred knock your socks off number one wide receiver at this juncture. And I, I think we're all kind of looking at the same guy, like can Marcus Washington become that? Because there, there isn't a lot of names specifically in the spring that really shine that for me. So you're you you are rolling with Marcus Washington as well. I mean, it, it's kind of process of elimination. I mean, he's he is. Yeah. He is what I believe the best wide receiver we have. I will say this. I, I think you're a little hard on Billy Kemp. You know, me and Justin sat here and oohed and odd over uh, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda last year and because he, he was proven at a Division One level at New Mexico State, I believe it was. But this is, this is a guy that's proven himself at a Power 5 level. He didn't prove himself at a, at a Group of 5 school. He, he, it's Power 5 school. And he yeah. played some. He played some good schools. But played against uh, Clemson's and Florida State's and Miami's. I mean, he's played against some top-notch schools. The the thing is with him, I would feel more confident if we were getting him after his best year, not his worst year. I mean, th- this is he Again, is I mean, injuries happen. Injuries. Like, I mean, well, where's where's he at now? Like, I mean, I don't know what those injuries were and how serious they were all of last year, but it drives me nuts. What that injuries can make someone like derail someone's career? Like yeah, that's never happened. We're going to get to it, but you're going to ooh and ha over here in a few minutes over Thomas Fedoni, who's been hurt the past two seasons. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're you're a fortune teller over there, Derek. <laughs> Appreciate you spoiling my future take, but uh, but yeah, I mean, well, I mean, like, but you're going to shit on him. Like, I mean, it's the same thing, except they're using no, your logic. Against you. You're going to be I, like, I, just, I want to see some proven stuff. Like, that's all I'm asking. 
Anyway, right. we'll, we'll get to that. Out later. of spite, Tyler, I'm just going to go with Billy Kemp. Just out of spite because of Tyler, really. Plus, everyone's <laughs> taking Marcus Washington. We got to spread it around because I tell you, it, it, it would be depressing. I mean, I know that we've named. You know uh, what, Justin? I like your attitude, and I'll switch mine to Billy Kemp with you. Thank you, thank you, Billy Kemp. Well, the heck? I'll go with Billy Kemp. You know, because I don't. That seems to be the peer pressure thing to do right now. I don't hate Billy Kemp. <laughs> I don't hate him. I just think that. Like putting unrealistic expectations that he's going to come in and be anything like what Trey Palmer or Samori Torrey was because he's also a transfer is probably not fair to what I think we're going to get from him. I don't think he's that wide receiver. Okay, so help me out here. Who's had a better college career to this point, Billy Kemp or Marcus Washington? Because they're they are both seniors at this juncture, right? I mean, I would I would I would assume Billy Kemp has more receiving yards in his career than Marcus Washington. Marcus Washington is probably around a thousand career receiving yards. I think Billy Kemp is like what two thousand seventeen hundred. And to bring up Tory, Tory, he remember he was an FCS guy. We didn't even know if he was going to be a good player. I mean, he turned into a good player, but that's hit or miss. I mean, it really is. I mean, I would love to see IGC like do what we thought we were going to see him do from that first game against Northwestern last year, um, but. I didn't imagine that Trey Palmer was going to do exactly what he did. Um, so, and then you've got, you've got people like, uh, I, I mean, shoot, we've had wide receiver transfers left and right for the past few years. And, and only two of them have really panned out exact, like to a point where we go, wow, that was a great experience with those guys. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think, I think it just, it really depends on the injury. I can't even find information about what the injury was. It was some illness. He had to have some surgery for it. I tried looking up information. I couldn't find anything besides rumors. Um, so who knows? Who so, knows what it was? I don't think that it's too serious if the coaching staff is going to take a chance at offering a scholarship. I mean, if they That's think – I mean, right. as – you know. We're going to talk about scholarships here in a little bit and uh, roster attrition, but with as many open spots, you don't make that kind of move to bring a guy in if you don't think that he can contribute meaningfully uh, in his one only year. Uh, All right, let's move on to the tight end battle that Derek was alluding to. So, Scott, this one is for you. Who will win the tight end battle between Thomas Fedoni and Eric Gilbert, or do you think there's somebody else that could uh, challenge those two? That's a great question. I think I think it's it's really hard to interpret that because you can look at Eric Gilbert and say, "Wow, he's got amazing potential. A five-star recruit out of high school, you know, from Georgia, just all this all this hype around him, but he has no he has no stats to back up his potential." Um, but then you've got Thomas Fedoni, he's kind of in the same like we don't see his potential necessarily, or we don't see stats to back up his potential, but dude was an absolute stud in high school and he's been battling injury after injury. But I mean, you look at the videos of Husker online and all of these exclusive training videos and what, I mean, dude looks like an absolute freight train. He looks scary. Um, But then again, I can look at that and say, well, so have lots of people since, the frost era we've seen tons of guys that are like oh they look so scary but then they're just an absolute nothing burger so I, it's it's really just 
not something that I even feel comfortable with with being confident in predicting. Like, if that makes sense, like I just don't like really. I don't know. I, I have there's nothing on a piece of paper that can tell me. Oh, this is definitively going to be the guy that's who's who's going to do something this year. Um, if I were to guess between those two guys. I would say Thomas Fedoni, but it's it's just because I mean they've put him on the podium. They have talked about him in in a way that implies that he is an absolute grinder. He's an absolute uh, hungry, bloodthirsty monster that just wants to go out and just l- just blow up a dude. Like with that, uh, what was that? That thirty minute uh, press conference with with uh, with our coach and he had something to say about Thomas Fedoni or no, it was Thomas Fedoni himself. It was in his interview. He was like, he's like, just kind of alluded to the fact that, Oh, I'm going to have to go out there and block, which is fine. Cause I love just destroying people when I block them. So if that's what they want me to do, I'm really excited about that. So I would go with Thomas Fedoni. Um, just because what we want to do, we want smash mouth football. We want to run the ball. We want to go and just absolutely just assert our dominance on, on big 10 defenses with a big 10 offense. Well, you need a blocking tight end to do that. And if that's exactly what he is being coached to do and is going on the podium talking about it, I mean, I can at least read the stars a little bit there and say, it's probably Thomas Fedoni. All right, Scott, I'm glad you got to a name because I thought you were going to go all that time to say, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, Derek just left. So, Tyler, who is your pick for who will win the tight end battle between Thomas Fedoni and Eric yeah, Gilbert? I mean, I, I tend to agree with where Scott was. I think a lot of what he says I'm really aligned with, um, especially the part that you really don't know. I think, again, kind of like wide receiver. I mean, the past couple of years, I feel like we have been at this point juncture of the spring and be like yeah i know who our guy is you had austin allen jack stoll travis vocal like you kind of always went in the spring with you know who your number one guy is um that i mean that's not the case today i think both of those guys their athletic ability and their profile speaks for themselves i mean they are all american potential players um they also have not really panned out because of injuries or other circumstances, this juncture in their career, they could both miss. Um, It's definitely not a room that you feel like, like overtly confident in right now. But for the reason you mentioned, Scott, I am, I I would give the slight edge to Fedoni. I, 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 again, I think the fascinating part as spring evolves is to watch is do one of these guys hit like, It'd be great if they both did, but are, are reports coming out of this spring that you have a true potential all-conference type tight end? Like we both know, these guys have the ability to be. Derek, I, it, it's hard to disagree with you guys. Uh, when the staff puts Fedoni out there in a press conference, he's one of the first players to talk to the, to everybody. It may it has to make you think he has a leg up. I I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Eric Gilbert, I mean, he had some stats at LSU straight out of his freshman year that looked pretty fun, pretty great for a freshman, true freshman kid. Uh, then he transferred to Georgia, just things didn't pan out for him there. And I I, I don't know why. I, a lot of it probably was Bowser being in front of him, and that guy's just yeah. a stud. Uh, 
I, I, I'm, I'm a lean towards Fedoni being a starter, but I, I'm, what I'm hoping for is probably see some two tight end sets. But it feels like every spring we sit here and say the same thing. Like, let's see some two tight, tight end sets. And yet we seem to never see them. So maybe this new staff will actually do it. I don't know. Ken? Well, I'm kind of with the rest of you guys. Um, I know I think it's between obviously Fedoni and Gilbert. After all, both of those guys were the number one and number two recruits in tight ends the year they were both recruited to their respective schools. So uh, Fedoni, I believe, was number one and Gilbert was number two. I, the conventional wisdom says the battle for the starting spot will be between them, but I also see an offense like um, like Derek's talking about where you could see some two tight end sets. You know what else I see when I see Fedoni? I see a very uh, kind of a rebirth of the uh, Matt Harrion. Remember that guy from 02 and 03? From Pierce, Nebraska. Uh, yep. Extremely fast, uh, scary fast kid that was really, really big. Nobody realized he was that quick. I could see Fedoni being one of those saying that he loves to block and knowing full well it leads, obviously, to <laughs> getting the rock, as, as uh, Troy Vincent so famously said. Um, I've run the ball guy, so I like the idea of 22 personnel on the field a little bit. But I do see Fedoni not only emerging probably as that number one tight end coming out of spring, but also the leader of that room, if not one of the big leaders on the offense. I mean, he won all the competition battles and whatnot during the winter conditioning that the staff set up for everybody. So, um, but... As a caveat, I could also see four of the 12 guys on this roster of tight ends that could see some playing time in that H-back slash fullback role. All of them are at least six foot three tall, and they're anywhere from 235 to 260 pounds. So, And I don't think any of them are going to see significant time catching footballs. So why not a position change and maybe fulfill that idea that Satterfield talked about, about throwing a fullback out there? Um, so anyway. I don't think any of them are going to break any records in the 40-yard dash, but they might be willing to break a face mask or two at the linebacker level. So, yeah, I go with Fedoni. Yeah, I tend to agree. But, you know, this is one of those positions where I don't think that uh, Husker fans are going to feel like they lose in this one. I think both guys you feel 100% confident about that if they get the start, it's like, okay, they're the the best guy. And whoever Mm -hmm. that backup is, you feel really, really good about that guy too. So, if there's not a, you know, two tight ends set out there, I think, I think we'll all be happy. I think the only way that I would feel uh, bad about this room is if all of a sudden we're seeing one tight end all the time. Like I think these two are probably, regardless of who starts, I think you need to see both of them on the field at some point. Yep. Well, yeah. I think a lot of this season depends on it. I mean, I think that you know we have talked about the last couple of weeks on the podcast has come up, but of different levels of concern of the wide receiver room. I think, you know, Derek, you're a little bit higher on it, or maybe Justin, one of you two were higher on it. I'm definitely the lowest on it. Um, But, I mean, I think that the ability to have a two tight end set, it it really kind of alleviates a little bit of concerns I would have there. But I I don't know if I see it. Like, I mean, like, you've brought up, like, neither of you guys are really proven at this juncture, like, to, to think that they're both going to come in and be that guy that we thought out of high school is maybe asking a lot at this point. But I will say this. If either one of them wants to come out and says, I'm not a backup, I might actually agree with him this time. Okay. 
<laughs> Kevin Williams reached back. Wow. Nice. All right. Moving on. Uh, Tyler, uh, there's been a lot to be said about this defense. New uh, defensive coordinator coming in, running a new scheme. Uh, we don't know what it's going to look like. So my question to you is, will we learn anything about the defensive scheme through spring? I, I would say that, I mean, it, it this might be my number one biggest thing to learn in the spring is this point right here. Like we have a lot of guys on this defensive roster and I know the presumption is we're going to run a three, three, five. And every time that has come up, the coaches are like, well, maybe, maybe not. We don't really know. We'll play the scheme that we need to. Like, I have no idea how these guys are going to fit. I, I, I think the talent in this defensive room is as good as Nebraska has had the last half decade. I think it's a really loaded defensive room, but for just a fan having any idea to, you know, as we do this as a hobby guys and talking about this defense intelligently, like it's like our, our edge rusher is going to be on the line of scrimmage. Or are they going to be in the linebacker room? Like who moves around? Who does what? Are we going to have three down linemen or is it going to be four down linemen? Like this scheme is like one of the most puzzling things at this point, five DBs, are we going to have a true nickel? Is it going to be a rover or is it going to be an actual nickel back? Like how does this all play out? And I don't know. I think this right here is like the most fascinating thing about spring. And the thing that I hope we learn is what is this defense going to look like this fall? Do you think you'll be able to answer that question after the spring game? I hope with media availability and the spring game, like I am not one of these guys that believes that there is some great advantage to holding your cards back in the spring game. Like if you're, if your whole value this season is going to be, we caught the first team off guard and that's how that's what we're hanging our cap on this season. Then like, I just think that is a bad tactic. So do I hope that they run, they at least a base level defense that they plan on running this fall? Yes, I am hopeful and I believe we will. So, yes, I would answer your question directly. I, I do think we will have a much better direction of what this defense will look like at the end of spring. So I don't want to derail my own question here, but you brought up media availability. And I saw that uh, the media will be there for at least four practices to film the opening portion of practice. So they'll have four practices through spring camp to actually see, you know, hopefully it's a little bit more than stretching, but. Uh, so I don't know, maybe we do get an answer. So Derek, I'm going to go to you to this question because I know that you have some concerns about what we're going to see in this defense. So let's hear it. Yeah. I mean, my biggest concern is at the edge position. I don't know where they're going to be playing. Tyler, you alluded to this. Are they going to be on the line? Are they going to be playing linebacker? If they are, if they're playing two edge guys at linebacker, are we going to see both Reimer and and Henrich on the field at the same time? We're probably not going to learn that in the spring, considering Henry Tate practicing in the spring. Uh, but there's so many questions on this front six or seven, whatever it's going to end up being. I mean, we got three guys in Garrett Nelson, O'Shawn Mathis, and Caleb Tanner to replace. And all three of those guys are going to be tough to replace. And all three of them were your edge rushers. So we brought in a lot of edge rushers. Are they going to be able to fill those shoes or not? I mean, that edge that edge position to me is so intriguing because I don't even know how it fits into the scheme right now. 
So I, and I think at that aspect, you have to at least learn that. You, you're going to learn in the spring game where these guys are lining up at least. Well, and, and Derek, just real quick before you turn it over, Justin, to double down on the edge thing, it, it's also really important for the body type. Because right now, a lot of these guys are sitting around that 240 to 250 mark. Like, So it's like, do they need to put on another 10 pounds to be able to play on the line of scrimmage? Or are they just going to be undersized defensive linemen? Because if you compare, I mean, Jamari Butler, who I, I think a lot of us are fans of, to Garrett Nelson last year, like there is a lot of size difference between those two. Like, is, is mm-hmm. he going to be able to come up and take that position? Um, you know, or do these guys need to maybe lose a little bit of weight so they can actually cover someone? Like, it is so fascinating to me or, or are we going to somehow run a three, four and then you can actually have Jamari Butler and all of them just play the position they need to. And, and Tyler needs this defense to be good considering his bold prediction was a top 25 defense again. It's, that's his <laughs> default answer to everything. You should know this. I mean, we're, we're this is going to be our, our eighth season coming up. Is that right? <laughs> so that's his default answer to everything. Uh, Derek, to answer the question there, uh, so do you actually think that we will learn anything out of the defensive scheme this year? Yeah, I think I think you have to. I mean, I mean, not, not have to. Do you think we will? Yeah, you will. You're again. Okay. You're going to have to because you're they're going to have to line these guys up somewhere. All right, and they're not going to line them up somewhere in the spring and then just change it around come fall. Be, no, but you can play an extremely base defense for anything that's media availability. That's you can do that during the spring game. Base defense is because right now I don't know what that is. Yeah, that's true. All right, Ken. Uh, question goes to you. Will we learn anything about the defensive scheme? Well, uh, no. <laughs> I think we're going to learn exactly what they want us to know, which is going to be what they'll show in those four practices that are open to to the media, and I think. As Derek alluded to, I think it stays very base, very vanilla. They may show a three-man front one day. They may show a four-man front the next day. They may show a two-man front. We don't know what they're going to show. And I agree with what Tyler said, too. I don't see the point. You're not going to catch anybody on off guard. Anybody making the money that these coaches are making are not going to be caught off guard by something you didn't show in a spring game. So – uh, I'm not sure what we're going to learn. Uh, I know what Tony White said about his scheme is that he likes to place a premium on athleticism, speed, and aggression. If we see that, at least in the spring game, some sort of aggression, some sort of speed, some some interesting position changes for guys that we don't expect, like you see a Ty Robinson play in a defensive end spot that he normally wouldn't play, and maybe he's slimmed down 15, 20 pounds, and he's a little quicker. I don't know. I mean, it would be interesting to see these position changes. I think I'm more curious, not necessarily about the scheme or the defense itself. I'm more curious about what the defense is going to be allowed to do when it comes to hitting the quarterback. Whether we see the green jerseys in the spring game or not, I hope we don't because I'm tired of it. I'm tired of our quarterbacks not being tough enough to take a freaking hit. Once the season comes along and people like Oklahoma smack you around and next thing you know, you're down to your third string quarterback in a in a game that you kind of look like you could stay in at the beginning. So I want our quarterbacks to be tough and I want our defense to beat them up <laughs> a little bit in the spring. So I'll be curious if that actually happens or not. Ken, so you're a sick SOB. I got to tell you, you yeah, want the defense to hit up on these quarterbacks and we're already walking wounded with Casey Thompson out. I kind of like it. Yeah, we got bit. we got Sims. We're good. 
we got six. What do we got? Six thousand quarterbacks on scholarship. Somebody ought to be able to take a hit. Just six. We got six. <laughs> all right. It's yeah, all a couple that are going to be limited. Uh, all right, Scott. To you. Uh, will we learn anything about the defensive scheme? I think I think it's it's going to be very vanilla. I think it's going to be very base. I I think we're going to see probably a 50-50 mixture of whatever it is that they're thinking they're going to do. If the coaches are alluding to the fact that ah, you know, 3-3-5, yeah, you know, but maybe something else. I think I think that's their way of telling us that like we're going to have some tricks up our sleeve, but we're going to lay them out. We're going to lay our cards out and be like, yeah, sometimes we're going to line up in a 4-3. Sometimes we're going to line up in a 3-3-5. Three, three, sometimes we might line up in a 3-4. Who knows? Um, but what I think we're going to see in the spring game is just the basics. I think they're going to keep it simple. I think they're just going to do like like what we said, basically vanilla. Because these guys, if they are learning a new defensive scheme, they're learning a new defensive scheme. And so, you know, let's let's keep at least somewhat something that they do know. And then let's slowly take the training reel, tra- uh, training wheels off for this new base defense. And maybe let's just do 50-50 and get, get quite a few snaps in the 3-3-5, get quite a few snaps in the 4-3, and, and just let them feel comfortable with those things as the game goes on and practices go on and all that. And then when it's all said and done, I think we'll see some spice. I think we'll see a little bit of like, oh, he's lining up on the edge. That's interesting. Or, oh, I wasn't expecting that to be our nose tackle or whatever. Um, I think we'll see a few things that kind of make us go, oh, that's interesting. Um, but probably few and far between. I, I think whatever we see out there, it's 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 going to be one of those kind of like aha moments where you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense that that guy's there. And that makes sense that that guy's there. And. I, I guess I'm not too surprised, um, but yeah, I I really think we're just gonna we're just gonna kind of just get a very basic schematic of what they're doing, and then when when uh, fall rolls around, we'll get a better feel for it. But for now, I think it's just gonna be very basic. Yeah, I, I don't think we're gonna learn much either. I think the conversation that we're having right now is gonna be the same thing that we're gonna be talking about. Uh, week one, uh, you know, the, previewing week one game against Minnesota. One of the things that we'll want to see is like, what does this defense really look like? And I don't think we're going to truly know that answer until we actually play Minnesota. So, okay. can, that, can, yeah, can I ask a question? And I, I guess I'll ask this. I'll, I'll start with you, and then maybe go to Scott just real quickly. Right now, what do you think our base defense is going to be next year? If you had to put a, if you had to put a bet on it. Give me I the put, odds. I want to know the odds before I play some. Just, what, what is the favorite? Whatever percentage favorite you want to give it. Yeah, but you tell I, me. Tell me. Tell me what the odds are and what the base defense. I don't. Is I don't know, Tyler. I, I don't know. I, I again. I think this is the same conversation that we're going to be having it, when we're going to be previewing uh, Minnesota. I don't think. We, I I suspect we won't know. Now maybe we will know coming out of the spring. Maybe we'll we will know that. Scott, how about you? What would you say? I'd say three three five because that's what, what percentage chance do you think that's going to be? I'd say sixty to seventy okay. percent. So whatever you think it is, you don't think whatever you think the number one pick's going to be, you're not going to have a higher percentage confidence level. You think it's going to be like shit? We could run a five two four two five. Like you think you're going to have no idea? Because I would argue with installing a new defense, if we leave this spring and they're, they're going out there on. The, the spring game with five different defensive fronts. 
that I'm worried that we overcomplicated the shit out of it. Cause oh, I completely agree. Like, I, I would actually I, – I hope to not see that. I hope to see two base defenses. Sure. That's it. Yeah, I, I think what if I, my goal of the coaches right now is you need to implement your base defense. You need to figure out what it is. You need to get them pretty up to speed on it. And if you want to get a second defense in there, like, hey, we want to do a four-man front every now and again, we'll, we'll, let's start implementing that at the tail end of the spring and in the fall. That I that I, I just think it would be insane if we don't know our deep base defense. If we can't I agree least, with you, Tyler. I, I don't think there's any way we don't come out of spring knowing what our base defense is. I, yeah. And, and maybe we're shocked this fall because maybe we think it's a 3-3-5 and we end up running a 3-4 a little bit more than we thought we were going to. But I can't imagine that we are still like, I don't fucking know, like we are today, where we have Time will no tell. idea. Time will tell. Do you think? Do you think we're going to actually come out of spring uh, knowing who perhaps we could have as a go-to pass rusher? No, I don't. I don't think we'll learn. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Because I don't think we're going to see a lot of. You know, I don't think we're going to see. Oh, a he's lot not going to dial up a bunch of blitzes. I don't yeah. imagine. But all right, uh, moving on here. Who will emerge as the biggest splash transfer not named Jeff Sims, Derek? All right, there, there's a lot of names here. Uh, I, as we all know, there were a lot of transfers, but I tried to pick some of the names I thought might actually have a chance. Uh, Eric Gil- Gilbert's got to be up there as one of them. Uh, MJ Sherman could be one. Elijah Judy on the defensive line could be one. Chief Borders, who's another one that the staff was pretty high on, enough to bring him out in front of the media. Uh, ben Scott on the offensive line. Uh, Billy Kemp, well, we've already talked about him. And I, I put Corey Collier in there, uh, though I don't know that with as much as we have coming back in the secondary that he has as much of a chance as some of these other guys. But it's really tough to pick one name here with with with, with everything coming in. Uh, there's, I'm hoping that all these guys could be splash guys. Obviously, they won't all be, but uh, if I if I had to lean one way, just because I'm higher on them than a lot than a lot of other people, I'd go Billy Kemp. All right. Ken? Um, you know, I looked over the list of transfers, and I'm with Derek. Uh, there's a lot of guys there. and But there were three that stood out to me, namely because, hey, they're all from the SEC, right? I mean, it just means more there, so clearly the players are better. <clears throat> I came up with uh, MJ Sherman, Eric Gilbert, and Chief Borders were the three that I kind of settled on as dudes that are likely to make the most impact this spring. And when it all was all said and done, because I think both the defensive players are going to be learning a new defensive scheme. Eric Gilbert's already a freak athlete. I think he's not going to have too much trouble learning the blocking schemes as well as some of the route trees that Satterfield is going to throw at him. I'm I'm going with Eric Gilbert as the guy that that stands out a little bit this spring. Even though I think Fedoni's going to be number one coming out of spring, I think Gilbert's going to be the standout transfer. Wow. All right, Scott. Uh, so I have like two two thoughts. One is who do I think is going to be a splash transfer in the spring game that we would actually see make a make a noticeable difference. I I do agree with my dad. I think it's Eric Gilbert. I I mean, dude's just a freak athlete. So it's like on just the looking at our transfer list, there he is like the highest rated athlete that we're getting. Um, yeah, yeah, he's the highest rated athlete we're getting according to 24-7 sports. So 
there's that. But then who do I want to see or who do I think I'm going to see be an actual splash transfer going forward into fall, going into our first game? I'm actually going to go with Ben Scott. I mean, dude, solid offensive lineman. What do we need more than anything right now? We need a solid offensive line. And you, looking at him compared to uh, Jacob Hood, you know, Jacob Hood took a little bit of a step down in his transfer rating, whereas Ben Scott jumped up 600, uh, 0.600 points on his rating scale going into the transfer portal. Um, and just looking at him, he's a dominating guy. You look at the film of him. He pushes guys around. He's never caught. He's never caught with his pants down. And I just, I know every mask with him. What was that? No, every moss with him. Oh, I hope not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm going. I'm going with two guys. You know, like I just said, Eric Gilbert for the spring game splash, and then for the overall season splash. I think. I think we're going to be really happy with Ben Scott. So it's interesting you talk about Ben Scott here. Where do you see him playing? Is it center or tackle? Because the coaching staff has kind of, you know, they kind of uh, gone a little bit back and forth between there. At the end of the day, what would you think that he plays? I don't know. I, I, I that's not my decision to make, and it, it doesn't matter to me as long as he's proficient. And if he's at center, I hope to God he snaps the ball with a hundred percent accuracy, and he doesn't get pushed off of his, you know, gets gets a block pushed off of him. Um, and if he's a tackle, all right, do your job there. As long as he does his job, like. I, I don't care and I don't have I'm not a very big like offensive line guru in the sense of like knowing the nuances of what makes somebody a tackle and what makes someone a guard and why would he be a center other than just being really good at snapping the ball and having that that snap reflex to get your arms up and, and absorb uh absorb a a bloodthirsty defensive lineman. So when it comes to that, I'm just that's just out of my league. But just based on the eye test, I think he just he holds some. He's going to be one of the top. He's going to be one of the uh, top five linemen that we have for sure. In yes, my eyes, yes. yeah, yep, I agree. I'm, I'm not going to claim to be an, an expert on the offensive line either, uh, but just judging by the lack of experience at center, I think that's probably where you're going to see him. Hmm. Well, I, ho- I sure hope he snaps the damn ball perfectly every time. No over the head. You know, Casey Thompson you know, was a little bit of a shorter guy, so he got really, you know, put it put it in his uh put it in his strike box. So, um, yeah, as long as he does that, I'll be happy. <laughs> Tyler, uh, what about you? Who will emerge as the biggest splash transfer not named Jeff Sims? Yeah, I, I would probably go with Ben Scott. I like that pick, Scott. Um, you know, he's six five, so you talk about where he's going to play. You know, I don't know. I mean, there's this old, like, how tall do you really want your center to be type thing? Um, you know, is 6'5", getting to the height of, like, starting to be like, man, is that a little bit tall for center? I I, I don't know if I read too much into that. I think you, you could play lower pads, but there might be something to that, especially in the Big Ten where that's it's a different league than the Pac-12. Um, so maybe that plays a little bit more into it. But I, I think that... Of all the transfers we got, Jeff Sims even included, I think he's the guy that I'm like most sure is going to start. Um, 
I, I just I think that the the height of the the likelihood of him starting is just so overwhelming. So I'm gonna go that he really steps up and kind of like helps anchor this offensive line. I think the reports will be really good of him coming out of the spring. Um, I do like the way you phrased it, Scott, with the spring game wonder. I'm going to actually go Billy Kemp as a spring game wonder. I think he will, presuming that he plays um, and everything's good, I, I could see him being the the IGC this this offseason where the Cuscats keep two of the three keep uh, fainting over him all spring. Tyler loves the Tyler loves the hate, doesn't he, Derek? Just, he always does. Wait, he hate. can't help himself. Hate? That was all love there. I, I, what, what, where is the hate at? I just, I just was a little bit more correct on IGC last year than you guys. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Justin, did you want to give your take real quick on uh, biggest transfer? No, I, th- I think you guys hit it all. My, my, my guy was uh, Billy Kemp, by the way. But uh, yeah, roster attrition. Yeah, I'll, I'll start this Take off. Take it away, Derek. Oh, Derek, go ahead. Okay, oh, it don't matter. Yeah, so I was going <laughs> to start this. So I, I think defensive scheme, the number one thing this spring, this is number two. Guys, we've all started to project what this 2023 team is going to look like. We still need to lose 17 players from this roster to be legal. That is a lot of movement. Like this is going to be a whole different team going into the fall than it is in the spring. Like – what, what? Hey, that's the only time that you're going to hear 17 and legal on this podcast. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and there's Justin. You had to come back to make that joke. You can go in and leave again. Uh, <laughs> but no, but I, I, it is insane. Like, and we all like think that it's going to work out magically where it's all going to be these guys that we're not going to play anyways that we're going to leave. I'm telling you, it's going to be guys that you know. There's going to be names that we've all talked about that we all thought could be contributors whether maybe not at this juncture, but before the season, there's probably going to be a couple brand new guys that just transferred here that aren't going to work out and they're going to go and leave again. Like it's going to be, it isn't going to be this pretty little bow that everyone thinks. And I am just, I'm as a podcaster, I'm ex- I mean, it's, it's going to be fascinating. Like we're going to have content for sure this summer because we're going to have a brand new roster. So yeah, I mean, I think that this roster attrition in the spring um, it, it's it's a it is as big a storyline as anything else, and that's assuming we don't need to lose more to bring more transfers in. So, like, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna get really ugly. So, Husker Nation, this is part of the plan. Do not freak out when that four star leaves that you really liked, and like, because it's it's gotta happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken, yeah, I'm right. I'm right there with. Uh... With Tyler, what is it? There's like twenty. We're like twenty over the scholarship limit, or just under twenty over right now. Seventeen. Seventeen over. Okay, and I think we all agree that we're probably a little bit thin on the defensive and offensive line. Correct. So Often, offensive line. My guess. I will yeah. tell you, but like, so we've had this conversation on the podcast talking about offensive line, and I think that we sh- should add a couple more guys best available out of there. But I don't know if the cousins agree with that, but I'm kind of in the uh, same so, camp. I think we could, we, we wouldn't hurt ourselves to have another couple guys uh, on that offensive line. And who knows if we're going to lose any of the guys we have now to attrition. I mean, it's just a crazy, 
uh, roller coaster ride that we're about to go on. And Tyler, are you thinking we're going to lose some guys during spring or after spring when you're talking about roster attrition? Oh, I think after spring. I, I mean, there, yeah, there'll probably be a few during spring. I'm sure there'll be a few during spring. And I've never fully understood why guys do that. Um, like you think you might as well head start. I, I, head start. I get it, but I, you think you would take the extra practices. Um, but I think it'll be both, but let me just real quickly to the way you guys were talking about with offensive line. Like, I'm not saying I wouldn't take another offensive lineman, but when I hear this, my question is, is where are you going to lose another body? Because you know, who's probably not going to transfer these 15 incoming freshmen that haven't even hit campus yet. They're probably not transferring this spring. So like when you're talking about that, like, sure. If you want like three quarterbacks to leave, like Justin, you probably you you probably could you find were talking this. about that you you were like adamant that we were going to lose some of the new freshmen. Sure. No, I no people. We had a conversation. No people on campus already, not people that haven't even arrived yet. I don't think they're going to transfer yet. I think there's going to be some of the incoming transfers that have transferred in that are going to leave, and probably an early enrollee. I don't think we're going to lose the guys that are arriving in the summer. That would okay. be a, that would be crazy if we lost them. Well, yeah, I, I, um, you know, we've got, I think when I last counted almost 30 roster spots devoted specifically 20 of them to wide receivers, 12 of them to tight ends, what, seven, eight of them to quarterbacks. And then you've got at least six scholarship running backs. I could see at least 10, if not more from those four position groups on offense that could be heading out the door after spring. Um, and that almost fixes your roster problem right there with the exception of seven more. And I don't see any reason why you're going to keep, what is it, 25 defensive backs right now on this roster? Why Why do you need that many? But, but, so, Ken, but Ken, when you mentioned that there's 20 wide receivers on the roster, you're, you're right, but 15 of them are on scholarship. Only 11 of them, and technically only 10 of them, are actually in spring ball. So, like, right. if, if, if you want to talk about maybe, and I, and I know none of, us, none of us want this, so I'm going to throw them out there. If you think Malachi Coleman's going to transfer, then we have a different conversation. No, but like, no, 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 no. But, like, these guys that haven't even got to the camp yet, I just would be shocked to see a high number of them transfer. No, I, I, I agree, but I also don't think you're going to see all the guys that will be in spring camp stay at any given position. I think anything's up for grabs, especially if they see that they're not fitting into the uh, rule print, as I like to call it, the the toughness scale, the whatever. I mean, I know they put them through hell and winter conditioning. I can only imagine that spring football is not going to get easier. You don't do winter conditioning to prepare for an easy spring. <laughs> so I have a feeling some of that attrition will be guys going, F this, I'm out. So, and then that's fine. That's the kind of attrition you want. You don't want guys here that aren't aren't 100% ready to go and do things the way they want to be done. They want them to be done. So, um, yeah, should be interesting. I'm not going to be too worked up about it, though. It is what it is. Scott, your thoughts on roster attrition? So I've actually got a question. If I didn't do any research because I'm a ding-dong. Um, so we've got a roster limit, but then we've also got scholarship limit. And what are our numbers exactly with roster limit and scholarship limit? Do you have 
do you have? So there's the, no roster limit. It's okay. just a scholarship limit. So do you? So I guess if that being the answer of the question, I mean, some of the guys. I mean, if if we've got the NIL support that we do in Nebraska, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Nebraska does something a little bit un. Well, I guess everything's unprecedented with with everything going on with the with NIL and whatnot. I wouldn't be surprised if if there are guys on our roster that are sat down in an office with their coaches and they're like, hey, listen, we need to take away your scholarship, but you can still play here. We've got some boosters. We've got some guys that are going to make going to college technically still free for you. Is that something you're interested in doing? I mean, if we've got the money and we've got the capability to do something like that, why the hell not? You know, this is, this is, we've got guys that if we don't, if they don't want to leave and we don't want them to leave, then that just seems like a bad, sour deal there. Maybe that's me with my head in the clouds. Maybe that's me thinking a little bit too, like, attached to these names that I've become familiar with over the years. But maybe that just happens a few times, you know, I, I, I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility with how much the college football landscape has shifted just in the last five years. Um, but when it comes to attrition, obviously we're going to lose guys regardless, but I mean, if there's dudes who are just, they just want to play here and they're okay with putting a scholarship on the back burner in order to do that. I mean, I would want a guy like that. That's a guy who's really committed to the team and really committed to their future potential being here. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's something that's even relatively possible, but that's just a thought that's kind of floated around my head over the past few weeks of just kind of thinking about it. Scott, my thoughts are anybody that is told that their scholarship, uh, that their services are no longer required for scholarship purposes, they are not going to be part of the plan moving forward. So if they wanted to stay on as like a walk-on, I just don't see that there'd be any NIL money considering that they're not going to be part of the plan and they're probably not going to be playing. That is my, just, that's just my thoughts. I don't think you're going to see a contributor having his scholarship removed and having NIL like subsidize what he's losing. I just, I just think that they're not going to be part of the plan. You can only have so many people. Uh, on scholarship in the roster, but that's just me. I mean, maybe you guys feel different, but uh, I, I, I just don't see that as feasible. I do want to call out on the NIL front. Um, so Omaha World Herald came out the article, and they estimate, I think they came out and said roughly 80 players is kind of the math of last year's roster got NIL money for football or any significant money. So if you think about this already, if you're you're saying you're not one of the top 85 guys to believe that the 90th guy on the roster is going to get enough to pay his tuition that, that I, and we're still paying a lot of money. And I think this war chest would be better used instead of that paying a lot more for the 87th, 88th guy, put, put it in the, uh, the, the Rayola fund and have, have that on stowaway. Cause you're going to need that money here, hopefully in a year. But yeah. Um. I. I. Yeah. I. I. I've heard other people propose. So, so just be clear. I've had a lot of people propose that. Like when you get down to that eighty-six. Like we just brought on a scholarship long snapper. Like, hey, can you sit down and talk to him and say, 
we really could use your scholarship for someone else since you're a senior long snapper. Like, and someone like, but hey, coaches can't do this, but there might be someone that reaches out to you on the side. Like, I, I don't know. I, that seems like a yeah, really it's, far-fetched it's scenario. Really, it, it is really far-fetched. It's just kind of a thought exercise that, that I thought was kind of interesting to bring up. Thought it would be fun to but, talk about it. But yeah, you talk, um, about, you talk about like a senior guy that maybe is just hanging around that is a borderline contributor. I mean, Justin, every year walk-ons, I don't want to hear that. I don't agree with your take that none of these guys can be walk-ons if you're not there. Like, we've seen walk-ons contribute before. Why couldn't – No, no, you're right. But like not a scholarship guy go to walk-on well, no, status, I mean, that, you know? That's, that's a weird scenario. But it, it, it could happen. Yeah. I mean – I mean, I, I, here's here's a on the opposite end of the spectrum thought exercise here. The guys who are making all of the NIL money, you know, the the top, let's just say five percent of the guys, so three, four of them maybe. I mean, if they're making six figures of of NIL money, I mean, why not take one for the team and be like, I don't need the scholarship for the last year, like I don't. I've already gotten my three years of education this last year. I can afford that. I want my boys to stay around here. We're all a team here. We're all brothers, you know, something like that. Um, I think think it's a nice pipe dream. Oh, it's it's definitely way out in woo-woo land. It's like a Hallmark movie to me. Yes. It's it's one of those, like, facing the Giants feel-good movies that's just absurd, but, like, just it's always that like imaginative childlike imagination of of just the team you know yeah um but no it's gonna be a bummer i'm gonna be bummed out to see some of the guys leave that we're gonna see leave but like you said most of them are gonna probably just be non-factor guys anyway so it's like well i gotta attach the name but i didn't really see their name on the field half yeah, yeah. We're gonna lose a lot of dudes that we're rooting for. Yep. Uh, all right, Derek, we're running short on time, so let's get you in here. I, in, I, I don't have much to say on it. it until we start losing players. I, I don't, I don't have much interest in this topic. I, okay, it, it, it's it's a great story, I guess. When when the, when the players start moving, it's good. It's good topics in, but yeah, right right yeah. now it's all hearsay and it's all rumors and I, when, when players start leaving and you start seeing fans overreact, that's when it becomes fun. <laughs> it is really fun. The sky right, is so falling. Let's move. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it's going to be. Uh, all right. So uh, huge week coming up with spring practice like we just talked about. But uh, March 25th is a huge recruiting weekend. It's going to be one of the biggest that we've had in a long, long time, if not the biggest that we've ever had. Uh, 26 commits. You know, it's kind of like a who's who of college football recruits right now. A uh, combination of five stars and a lot of four stars here. Uh, they'll be on campus, and they're going to see everything that Nebraska has to offer. And you know that this coaching staff, and one thing that they've really done well is they've hit the recruiting trail hard. And they've been uh, talking to guys, uh, bringing in some uh, really good guys, and it's going to continue this weekend. But like collectively, it's a huge weekend. Tyler, what can you tell us more about this weekend? Next weekend, well, I can tell a lot about this. So, so I, we'll, we'll, I'll pause before I get to some of the headline names. But let's just kind of do some of the big superlatives. So we are bringing in uh, three five stars, twenty four seven composite five stars. 
uh, 15 composite four stars, six composite top 50 players. In comparison, just the guy that we all love so much, Malachi Coleman, was not a top 50 player himself. So we're having six guys on campus in two weeks that were our higher recruits than our number one recruit last year. The, the point of emphasis is really awesome. So we're bringing in three of these guys that I mentioned are offensive linemen, uh, four are defensive linemen, five are wide receivers, and two are tight ends. So what I'm seeing is a lot of weapons, um, some trenches, and, oh, I haven't mentioned the, the, the headline of the name, maybe the best quarterback in the country. Uh, that we've been talking about for about two years now, waiting for him to get there. Like, who? Uh, uh, I don't know. Have you have you heard about uh, Dylan Rayola? Does that name sound familiar? Wait, you you love his uncle. So. You love his uncle. Oh, yeah, he's an yeah, he's yeah, offensive line coach. <laughs> yeah, he, he, that yeah, guy. Yeah, that guy. That, so so it, it is not. I mean, th- this is as big of a day in Nebraska recruiting. There's going to be at least 25 kids on campus, maybe more by the time we actually get there. Like it is not hyperbolic to say this is the singular biggest recruiting day in Nebraska history. Yeah, word. I agree. Truth. I mean, do, do we want to hit some names or do how, how do you want to? Hey, give, give us some of the highlights. So, some of the names that we need to know about. So, so one of the names that should be pretty exciting to hear about, uh, um, Ryan Wingo. Um, he is a wide receiver out of Missouri. Um, he is the number 23rd overall recruit in the country. He is the number three wide receiver in the country. Um, if you have followed a lot of the recruitings thus far, um, you will not be shocked to hear he is also a track star. Um, he has been very successful in the 100 meter um, and the 200 meter dash. So he is definitely there. He is also uh, for you Ed Foley lovers out there, he also has a lot of experience <laughs> as a returner in the high school game. So lots of love there. Um, he is one of the five stars. Yeah, the other five st- I would put it out there. Ed Foley will get him. Ed, Ed Foley's going to close him? Yeah. I hope you're right. Um, a- another name- They don't call him Ed the closer Foley for nothing. <laughs> it's the uh, Foles, a- man. The Foles. The Foles. The, another name that I think you all should pay attention to, and I, and, uh, I know we had previously brought him up and uh, probably did not do a service to him because uh, we referred to him as the other five-star, um, but is Williams no, no, Nawarnier? I, 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 I practiced that, I promise, and I butchered it, and Justin was waiting for that. He is the number nine. Is he from Narnia? He's from Narnia. He is, no, in fact, no. He's actually from Lee Summit. Uh, we have an uncle down there. Um, he is, the, he is from Narnia. Shout out, to Uncle Jim. Uncle Jim. Uh, so uh, he is the number ninth player in the country. He is the number two defensive lineman. Um, he's really intriguing because he kind of projects. I'm sorry, I missed that name. He he kind of projects to uh, <laughs> a, more of an inside defensive end. Uh, so if you want to talk about like a, what the future could be, maybe this is a side because. A lot of recruiting experts think he's going to be like a 3-4 defensive tackle. Um, so maybe that does tip the hat that we are looking like a three-man front. Um, but but I could go on and on. I, I, again, I think that it's really cool to see that we are bringing a lot of weapons on the outside and trenches. And I think when you look at bringing in Dylan Rayola, which that is the guy we want. He's coming on his second of three visits this spring. Like the, I, I mean, I could keep going on all the stats, but – um, hey, did you hear Dylan Rayola was coming back for the spring game too? He, he is coming back for the spring game. 
Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I don't know how many more names you want. We, I, we probably could post something. I'll probably maybe type up a little bit. It'll probably be easier, but I don't know if you all have any names you've been checking out, but um, there, there's a bunch of names coming into town. So what, okay. Uh, I've already talked about this to you guys personally, but what, one of the guys that I'm most excited about is Carter Nelson from uh, Ainsworth. And uh, the guy, that guy's just getting so much traction. I mean, he's a freak athlete. You know, everything that he does uh, with uh, e- even in track and pole vault and high jump and ev- all that stuff. I mean, this dude is a big dude, you know, 6'4", 215. And, you know, he's getting a, a lot of run throughout like power uh power five you know nick saban's involved i mean this it's like a who's who of like who's recruiting him i mean so this is a guy i i ultimately i believe that we do get him but i hope that his day on saturday is like phenomenal and then it's like you know the anybody else that's been pursuing it was like yep not interested i got a date to the dance and it's nebraska so he's one of the guys that i'm most excited for outside of the guys that you already talked about tyler because those are some great impact players but i'm trying to keep it like in state a little bit so he's one of my favorite recruits well you mentioned in-state recruits um another great in-state recruit caleb benning um yeah i mean I, I don't want to overlook him. Obviously, he's probably not his headline name as some of that. But for Husker Nation, I mean, here's a guy that two years ago, year ago, probably not a likely get. I, I don't know if where Caleb was on Frost's big board, and yeah. or more importantly, maybe right. where Nebraska was on his big board. Um, but this new staff has done a really big push to get him in the fold. Um, could be a big finish down well, the stretch. Let, let's just say, Damon Benning, do your job as a dad and get him to Nebraska. Huh? Yeah, like the coaches shouldn't have to push for it. Like, like save some energy for other guys. Like, Damon, just just make it right. Hey, I tell you what, though, but there's been some other '90s guys out there uh, that played for us that their sons went elsewhere. You know, yep. they didn't get any time of day. So, yeah, uh, when you you ignore I, the in-state talent for as long as we did uh, by previous staffs, including the one prior to this one, when you would think. If there was anybody who understood the value of getting some big time dudes from in this state, like I don't know, Cluster Johnson's kid, it would have been Frost. Yeah. But apparently, huh, it wouldn't be. Uh, there's a name that grabbed me as soon as I saw it, and it has absolutely nothing to do with his measurables or anything. It's the name. I want me some Boo Carter from uh, Brainerd, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah, give yeah. me some Great Boo name. Carter, five foot ten, hundred and eighty four pound athlete. My guess is got speed to burn. Or Mario Bruford. Give, get me Marquise's brother in here, too. I like the way Marquise plays. Hmm. Yeah. Derek, do you got a favorite uh, guy that you want to see? I, I, I really don't. It's, it's awesome to see this recruiting weekend. To me, it's hard to get too excited about recruiting until we start getting them to commit. But, yeah. Well, we got one. <laughs> that Roger Gradney, right? Yep. yep. Well, I, yeah. I will encourage if anyone's in Lincoln to wear red. I am praying for good weather because um, not we, we we need a we need spring to start well, so it's a fun visit and no one's flights get canceled. So not just good weather here nationwide. I'll throw one more name out to you because it wouldn't be a good podcast without mentioning a guy in the trenches. But Brandon Baker out of California um, is the number one offensive tackle in the country. 
um, and number 38th uh, recruit. And if, if you listen to the recruits, a lot of pass protection um, really kind of is the emphasis with him. Um, but intriguing on him because we've seen what we've done at offensive tackle in the past. He is 6'5". Um, so obviously Frost and staff had a lot of uh, history of bringing in these 6'8", six, 6'9", six, guys. Maybe tipping of the cap a little bit that the having Giants isn't a huge priority for this new staff. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it, it speed and quick feet, man. Speed and quick That's feet. What they want. So yes. Um, yeah, I, again, I could keep going. I, like I said, I, I went 13 deep on deep dives on these guys watching huddle videos. Like I, I went, <laughs> I, I went deep on this weekend and we're probably not going to get like half of them, but, uh, yeah. That, well, that's okay, Tyler. Cause next week we're going to do a, another episode and we're going to recap some, uh, the recruiting stuff, uh, real quick, uh, how many recruits do you think we will get to sign prior to the spring game out of oh. this batch of guys? Sign or commit? You can't oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> commit. Commit. Yeah. Good point, Ken. Good point. How, how many commits do you think we'll get out of this? I, you know what? I hope we game. get one. I hope we get Williams Nwaniri just so Tyler has to say his damn name every day. That'd be cool. I'll learn it. I will learn that name if we get him. That's not true. You won't learn it. Uh, Scott, how many uh, commits do we get out of this weekend? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'll just I'll just pick a nice safe number and say two. Two, Derek. I think two would be a good number. You got when you got this many guys coming in, you like to see at least a couple of them commit. Yep. Tyler, I'll go three. I'll be the optimist. I'm hitting the over on all of you guys. Four. I'm going four. Price is right in me, mother. Price is right. Yep. Oh, Ken's going five. This is an. It's turning into an auction right now. Going five, <laughs> baby. Stay, going I'll five. I'm all about the over. I'll stay with two. Yeah, I'll stay with two. <laughs> all right. Well, I will tell you. Guys, so, is- I will tell you just one last thing. March 26 is my birthday. I can think of no better birthday present than waking up that next morning and just hearing like eight guys committed, and one of which is Dylan Rayola. Do that for me. Yeah. I would. I'll buy your jersey. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I need. I need that in my life. Yes, sir. I'm with you. I think everybody will agree with you on that one. Yes, sir. All right, guys, this has been a fun episode. Ken Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, let us know, or I'm don't let us know. We already know. Let <laughs> our, the listeners know how they can follow you uh, on Twitter, social media, and your podcast. Well, you can follow the podcast at Gen Red Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, or by searching for Generation Red on your favorite podcast app and subscribing. Yep, man. Scott. Yep. Hi, hi, hi. Um, I am on Twitter at Scott Gen Red Pod. That is Scott with two T's. The second one is, in fact, silent. Yep. So don't get it mixed up. Otherwise, you might not find me. Um, yep. I'm a food meme aficionado, as my little handle says here on our stream yard that you don't see, but now you know. Um, so, yeah, follow me on Twitter for terrible food memes and horrendous Husker takes. And as for us, we are the Husker Cuscast. Follow us on Twitter at Husker Cuscast. Like us on Facebook. Look for 
for our episodes anywhere you get your podcast hit that subscribe button and don't forget to rate re- review god dang this is getting hard guys <laughs> <That's what she laughs> <said. laughs> all right and, and we end it with a bad joke yeah thanks Jeez. for having us on <laughs> it's been lovely it's and been lovely dick twist yes <laughs> Give her the old dick twist. <laughs> Go big red, guys. Go, Go big, big red. red. Go big red. Go big red.